In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. For those up through the 12th grade, please come forward. Good morning. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. You awake? Well, happy 4th of July. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> That's what it's going to sound like tomorrow night or tonight at my house or whatever. That's why we use a noise machine to hide all those sounds. But we are thankful to celebrate this wonderful holiday because in this holiday we find our freedom just to sit right here in church this morning without being afraid of someone coming in to do us harm or, in, or living in our homes. Um, we, we're, we don't have to be afraid. We've got our independence. We've got our freedom. We've got our liberty. Thank you, Lord, for that. It's a great holiday we celebrate. Because there are a lot of places in this world who don't have freedom. A lot of people in this world who don't have freedom. I like what um, Jesus said in the gospel reading this morning when he sent out 70 of his disciples out into um, towns in front of him before he got there. It'd be like me saying, all right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all the way up to 70. I want y'all to go out, go out into the into the city of Houston, and I want you to tell the people before I get there these things. That's what Jesus was doing. I want 70, you 70, to go out. And the, I think the main thing he said is, let them know that the kingdom of God is near. You know, I think when we think of the kingdom of God, we think it's way up there somewhere, don't, don't we? Yeah, what do y'all think? You think it's... Right, where do you think the kingdom of God is? Way up there? Where God is? Right here maybe? Right here maybe? You know, when we come into this church, we enter into the kingdom of God. We leave the outside world behind and we enter into the kingdom of God. And that doesn't mean the kingdom of God is not with us when we move back out. Because if Jesus is in our heart, if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and he does, by the way, he does. Then the kingdom of God is right here, right here at hand, right here. And so Jesus wanted all the people, before he died, before he rose again, before the Holy Spirit came, he wanted the people to know the kingdom of God is near. Get ready. It's near. Prepare for it, right? But for us, the kingdom of God is here, not just near here so today we celebrate our freedom and 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 thank all those who who fought for our freedom uh, and allowed us to be able to sit here today without concern of someone coming in to to do us harm and we thank God for giving himself to us for making his kingdom right here so that we can celebrate his presence everywhere we go and especially 
as we come together as the body of Christ, especially as we come together. Okay? Thank you for coming forward. I appreciate y'all coming forward. Okay, wake up. You can go now. Deacon Kathy, you're up. Hey, kind of. Thank you, buddy. Good morning. For those of you who may not know me, I am Deacon Kathy. Very happy to be here with you this morning. As Father Stan told us last week in his sermon, we are spending the next several weeks in the Gospel of Luke. In his sermon, he pointed out that Jesus had set his face to Jerusalem as he made his way to making the ultimate sacrifice for us. Tomorrow is the 4th of July, as Father Stan just said, the day we celebrate our independence. Two years from now, we will celebrate 250 years of freedom. This is a freedom we so often take for granted because some of us have had that freedom our entire lives. That is not the case for many people, even some who are a part of this congregation. We are so blessed to be able to sit in this church and freely worship without fear. Jesus wanted that kind of freedom for those he met in his early, earthly ministry. In today's gospel, we heard that Jesus appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead in pairs of two to every town and place where he intended to go. Jesus still had a plan and a route laid out for himself and he also felt a great need for evangelism. Now I know that depending on what version of the Bible you are reading, some say that he sent out 72 and some say 70. My research found that there have been found almost equal number of ancient scrolls that say 70 or 72. It really doesn't matter which is correct. The rest of the story is still the same. In last week's gospel, we heard that there were three different men who wanted to follow Jesus, but they each had an excuse as to why they could just not drop everything and go. They did not have the will or the dedication that was needed to be one chosen by Jesus to go before him into the towns that he intended to visit himself. Jesus did find 70 that had no excuse, but willingly came when he called. Jesus told this newly, 70 newly appointed men that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Was he talking about a harvest of wheat or barley? No. He was talking about all those who did not know who he was and what he could do for them. There were still many who did not know that their Savior had arrived. Jesus needed this chosen group to be the laborers for this harvest. There were still those who had not heard the name Jesus, but there were those who had heard the stories of a man who claimed to be the Son of God and went around healing the sick, the lame, and the blind. But those were just stories, weren't they? Who could believe such a thing? As I stated earlier, Jesus appointed these men, but we are not told how Jesus decided who would be in this group of 70. We all know the stories of the original apostles and how Jesus selected each one and how each reacted. We all read or heard the stories about Peter the Rock, Andrew, Peter's brother, 
Matthew, James the son of Zebedee, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and of course, Judas Iscariot, who became the betrayer. When it came time to gather this new group of 70, did Jesus just walking, walk around pointing out those that he wanted to select, be in this select group? Did it take a day, a week, or longer to find them? Did he post a help wanted sign or hold a job fair? Did they have to fill out a job application with all their references and what they did on their last job? I don't think so, but we don't know anything about how he did choose the 70. We do know their names. We do not know their names. Their ages are where they came from. Why do you think their names were not recorded as those of his 12 apostles were? These men were also given the power to heal the sick, just as the 12 were. They were sent two by two, and they were warned that he was sending them out as lambs in the midst of wolves. They were given specific instructions to carry no purse, no bag, no sandals. Although we do not know for certain, I think Jesus appointed only men for this mission, even though many of his followers were women. What woman could go on this kind of a journey with no purse, no bag, or extra shoes? I can't go anywhere without my giant purse full of everything that I might need in an emergency. If you're in need of ibuprofen, band-aids, a hairbrush, coupons, or any number of things, just let me know. But please don't ask for money. I'm on my retirement budget. Jesus gave them additional instructions to greet no one on the road. Why would he tell them to greet no one on the road? That doesn't sound very friendly, not very Jesus-like. As Christians, don't we feel that we should at least smile and make eye contact when we run into someone that we happen to meet in the grocery store or on our morning walk? Perhaps say hello or even chat for a moment. Next time you see someone coming toward you and they seem like they have somewhere to be and totally ignore you, maybe they have been sent by Jesus on a mission and they are following his instructions to greet no one on the road. Jesus was very specific about this very important mission and perhaps he did not want the 70 to lose any time in accomplishing this task. Jesus knew his time on earth was short and there was no time to waste. There were still many people that needed to hear the good news about Jesus. He sent out the unequipped, but gave them the instructions for being successful. He told them what to say when they entered a house. First say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Those were pretty, 
precise instructions that Jesus gave to these men. Maybe these men were not named so that we could identify with them. We don't know anything about their personalities, how well they could speak, or what their backgrounds were. They could be just like us. Aren't we sent to proclaim Jesus' message to the world? Do we feel equipped to do that? They relied on their faith in Jesus to do his will. They had heard and believed the stories of all the miracles that Jesus had performed. They must have felt very honored to be chosen for this mission. They did not even question the instructions that Jesus gave them. They just did as Jesus said. I know many of us like to hear these stories, and many of us have made it our business to listen to Jesus. In my life in ministry, I can look around and see many that give of their time, reaching out to those who do not know Jesus. Some are seen helping, scenes helping the sick and the needy and those who need other kinds of help. There are prayer warriors and the helping hands for all kinds of things. But I also see some that are content to listen to Jesus, but they are also content to let others do the work. Just as these men went out as Jesus instructed, without protest or questions, we are sent to do the same. But can we do that? Yes, we can. But will we? Can we rely on our faith in Jesus to proclaim him to everyone we know? This is a challenging task, but Jesus is always there to guide us and protect us. But it doesn't mean it won't be really hard sometimes. It takes commitment and sometimes great sacrifice. Jesus told the 70, Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. I think we all know people and even family members that have rejected Jesus. That means they have rejected God also. The 70 did this as they were told and came back to Jesus with great joy. Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. They had gone out with nothing but came back with joy, great joy. Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See? I have given you the authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So what has this lesson from Luke's gospel taught us? Just as the 70 were called, we have been called as a community and as individuals to share with others the love of God and his message of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. There are many who will respond and become a follower, follower and they too will have great joy. Some that we meet will reject this message, and sometimes they will reject us. But when that happens, we will shake the dust off our feet and keep going. And we will still know that the kingdom of God is near and that our names are written in heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.